Welcome back to Auto Day at the Global Supply Chain Summit for Freight Waves. This is Alan Adler, the Detroit Bureau Chief for Freight Waves, and I'm thrilled that we're going to talk future stuff here with uh, with Sterling Anderson, who is the Chief Product Officer and co-founder of Aurora. It is great to have you, Sterling. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Alan. Good to be here. So you have uh, the opportunity now to sort of represent a whole bunch of companies, although just yours is, is the one you know most about, I'm sure. You have an opportunity to, to talk about the, the movement, really, if you will, that's going on in autonomous trucking. And you're well along in that, uh, as well as the, the car business. Maybe you can give us a little level set uh, in terms of you know where you're at and that sort of thing. Sure, yeah. So just to introduce Aurora briefly, uh, we uh, founded the company in 2017 with the mission of delivering the benefits of self-driving technology safely, quickly, and broadly. Uh, and we're doing that in partnership with others throughout the industry. So specifically, uh, in many of the areas of value chain, partners have uh, actually been established, partnerships have been established uh, for us to bring trucks to market uh, within the context of existing uh, carrier uh, in private fleet businesses. So specifically on, a, on the heavy truck side, both Packard and Volvo trucks, uh, two of the top three uh, tr heavy truck manufacturers in North America have partnered with Aurora. We're developing uh, both the trucks with them, but also the downstream sales service uh, and support that's required for those trucks. It's that we recognize that, that end customers will really rely on. And then we're uh, partnered also with the uh, end customer side. So FedEx, for instance, is a, a partner to Aurora. Uh, and in so doing, we are training the uh, product that we're building specifically to meet the uh, both explicit, but also some of the latent needs uh, that, that, that many of these carriers and those in the business have. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you, you mentioned, you know, Packard and Volvo, and, and I think you're really the only uh, company that has sort of two OEM partners. And so, uh, you know, I'm sure that the, the needs as we've discussed are similar uh, in, in many ways, but uh, how, much, uh, how much of your discussion uh, at this stage, focuses on routes and logistics and, you know, other supply chain issues, which, of course, is what we're here to talk about today. Yeah, a lot of it. So the, if you break up the kind of conversation that has to happen in the co-development of a new truck platform, really, you look at the configuration uh, and the spec of that truck, which is to say, are you day cab or you sleeper cab? Are you integrated sleeper? Uh, what do the customers need and need in terms of the aero performance, in terms of other characteristics of that truck? that will allow it to best integrate with their existing services uh, and their existing network. So there's that side of it. There's the development of the truck itself side of it, where we bring the uh, safety case that we've developed for the Aurora driver through the years to include, for instance, what are the requirements imposed on the driver itself, which is to say its sensors, its computer, its software, and what are the requirements that it has of the vehicle platform to say, uh, redundancies, for instance, in various actuation modes, redundancies in the power distribution architecture, in a number of other areas that, the, that a self-driving system requires. And so there's the technical development of the truck, and then there's the development of the downstream uh, services that are required that customers will rely on. So for instance, today, uh, those who buy trucks from Packard or Volvo rely on a large network of dealers, uh, a large uh, service network, a, a warranty, uh, there are uh, dependencies there that we look to build on uh, uh, and, and, and create a, an ecosystem that carriers can really rely on, uh, as they have for years past in, in, in leveraging these OEMs and their, and their connections there. 
Yeah. So, so as you are uh, for right now, and I had an opportunity to to visit with you guys uh, in Texas, um, you know, and running on I forty five from you know south of Dallas at Palmer, uh, you know, down to the Houston area. I didn't go all the way, by the way, but uh, uh, you know, get, getting well, you're uh, welcome to. I mean, you only got three hours to spare. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say it's not it's not the most scintillating ride, is it? But uh, you know, I did get enough of an exposure to it to know that you know you've got the level four system at work, albeit with what we generically refer to as safety drivers. But but uh, you are uh, at this point, uh, you know, hauling real freight, you know, as you say for FedEx, doing drop and hook uh, and that sort of thing. What kind of, uh, what kind of lessons are you picking up just in this pilot? And then, uh, you know, presumably others are coming. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's a great, great, great question. Uh, and we do pilot specifically to learn. Uh, our product is comprised, uh, we call it Aurora Horizon. That's our product for trucks. We're also developing a, a, a product based on the same core of hardware and software for ride healing purposes. In trucks, that's comprised of three elements. There's the Aurora driver, Aurora beacon, and Aurora shield. The driver does exactly what it's, what it's uh, named after, which is effectively operates the truck safely. Beacon is a suite of operational tools that integrate with our customers' fleet management systems that provide things like remote health monitoring, uh, uh, support for dispatch, routing, scheduling, uh, to help optimize this fleet of assets that can operate at, 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 at uh, even higher levels of utilization than any assets they've had in the past. And then finally, Shield is a set of operational uh, support infrastructure and playbooks to allow our customers to do such things as to maintain high uptime on these trucks. Uh, for instance, uh, predictive maintenance, uh, servicing support, uh, uh, guidance for uh, the the maintenance of the self-driving hardware as well as the base truck hardware, uh, warranties, uh, a number of other things to help them maximize that uptime. So in that context, your question, okay, what are we learning from uh, partners like FedEx? Well, first, FedEx is a phenomenal company, uh, obviously a well-oiled machine as it comes to managing their business and, and running their loads. And so an element of this is certainly we get some of the learnings uh, and validation that we need for the driver just by virtue of being on the road and pulling loads. On the beacon side, we really start to understand what kind of variation should we anticipate uh, from these customers in terms of trailer quality, in terms of uh, the kind of load timings, in terms of uh, documentation and the, vari the variability in documentation, in terms of interaction with uh, uh, folks like uh, way stations and border crossings and other things that, that need to happen for us to deliver a commercially viable service. And then it allows us to, to share this data together with FedEx, uh, for instance, uh, to talk through, okay, if we were to operate at 65 miles an hour instead of 75 miles an hour, we can realize on the order of 25% better fuel economy. Is that of value? Because then we can drive through the 30-minute mandated every eight-hour breaks. We can drive through the 11 hours of service limitation for humans, and we can still get goods around the network faster, even while driving 65 miles an hour and saving 25% of our fuel. Is that a, is that a trade-off that we want to make as a partnership? And so it allows us to tune the characteristics and parameters of driver, of beacon, and of shield, so that when we deliver this at, at large scales commercially, it's finely tuned to the needs of, of these network partners. Mm -hmm. And to, to this point, I mean, you're still early in, in the in the testing. Now, you do have a second generation. I don't know if it's the correct characterization of a Peterbilt truck that uh, they just showed at, uh, at CES and that, you know, I think I saw in the garage down at your place. Um, so you're, you're running you're running that now and, and, and running this. Are some of the things that you described, um, you know, beginning to sort of 
get more than, you know, get, I guess, get some flesh on the bone uh, of these ideas? Yeah, I mean, they're actively operating, right? One, one of the principles that we espouse is really you practice as you play. Um, if you haven't exercised every operational muscle that you expect your trucks to have to experience, uh, certainly we wouldn't have the perspective on, on what those capabilities uh, are required by our customers. But also when we hand it over to our customers, there's a real, there's a real possibility that they say, wait a second, guys, you haven't thought of this. You haven't thought of that. Um, and so that's really what these are about, is fleshing out and making sure we understand end-to-end -to, -end to operate a commercially, not just viable, but but, but commercially highly valuable service uh, with these customers on these trucks uh, that are built with the Aurora driver and supported by Beacon and Shield. How do we do that in a way that ultimately they can get tremendous value out of? And, and we don't have a bunch of unknown unknowns or, or gotchas kind of at the end of the day when we deliver the product. Yeah. Uh, FedEx is the customer of note right now, uh, along with Peterbilt, of course, that, that's your other partner in this Texas uh, pilot. Um, what, what are you hearing from them? What 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 kind of, uh, I'm sure they're sort of excited to have the additional capacity, right? I mean, you know, and, and uh, especially today when we're capacity constrained in so many ways, but what, what else are you hearing from them? Yeah. So so in the, in the conversation with FedEx, we have a variety of working groups that are thinking about uh, several elements of the operations to include, for instance, our ability to meet the kind of uh, uh, timing requirements that these loads, particularly in things like peak times, require, and that really starts to exercise a different muscle. If you have to meet uh, uh, when you're when you're on, at peak times, for instance, in the in the holidays, and having to deal with that, can you deliver a service that's sufficiently reliable, sufficiently on time? We've been really, really pleased uh, to have a hundred percent on time uh, record with our work with FedEx. And if you think about it, that's that's you know there's average 800 parcels per load uh, in one of these runs. That's a lot of happy FedEx customers that are getting uh, their deliveries on time. And we've been pleased to be a part of that. So, so it's been good. The feedback has been positive. We've been learning uh, kind of just what it's going to take to scale this up. Again, in, in kind of these bursty situations where we can actually exercise as though we were running a much larger fleet uh, and kind of encounter the challenges that that, that, that raises. Yeah, I guess I, I have to I have to think that, you know, I mean, I-45 is a freight-dense uh, roadway, right? I mean, there's a lot of freight out there, um, both, uh, you know, lots of autonomous uh, companies that are testing in, on that particular route, as well as, I guess, I-35, and, and soon the, the whole triangle, whole Texas triangle. But I, I guess what I'm, what I'm curious about from the scaling, because you just mentioned it, is, you know, sort of how does this scale for you? I mean, in, in terms of either uh, going on, on new routes, new routes, or... You know, how, how does scaling look for you? So for the driver side of this, certainly Beacon and Shield, uh, these, these, these operational support services, these are being designed to support a variety of customers, whether they're carriers or private fleets. Uh, and so the scale, scalability there should be quite good. On the driver side, part of the reason that we are starting in trucks is because of the highly self-similar nature of the road network that these trucks operate, particularly if you take the long haul routes to begin. A section of highway between Dallas and Houston uh, looks an awful lot like a section of highway between Dallas and El Paso, for instance. And our trucks are actually driving both right now. Um, as we as we build that out, my expectation is that throughout the Sun Belt, you have a highly self-similar road network. You have very similar environmental conditions uh, in which you expect to operate, which is to say not a lot of blizzards, uh, not a lot of kind of uh, major weather events that you deal with. Um, so our expectation is that we scale throughout the Sun Belt first just so that we can build that those economies of scale, drive down the cost of the hardware, build the experience of the driver, 
and then incrementally take on additional weather conditions that you start to experience as you move progressively northward. We're in a, a obviously an unusual period now. So I, I guess the best word really is crisis in terms of supply chain. How does that impact you, if at all, at, at this stage? I mean, these are unusual times, but they're also do not look like they're going to be over anytime soon. Um, how does that? How does that impact you? I think it, at its at the core, it highlights the need. It emphasizes the need for uh, more capacity, uh, uh, more drivers, greater safety, uh, and the ability to uh, unlock latent needs of the supply chain that the industry to date has simply operated in the context of. And what I mean by that is, if you're a shipper for, you know, much has been said in recent months about uh, kind of the ills of just-in-time delivery models that are designed to reduce kind of working process inventory. To be clear, for many of these networks, actually the forward deployment of goods was a necessity. The building of a large uh, hub network so that you can reach a population that increasingly expects to one day delivery uh, for a lot of a uh, lot of things has required the growth in these massively complex, very large footprint supply chains where you forward deploy inventory and eat the, the, the inventory carrying costs so that you can get the goods to its end point and end destination quick time. Now, notably, those networks, those footprints were designed specifically with the existing transport modalities in mind. Air freight, which is fast but expensive, ground freight, which is somewhere in the middle uh, and not quite so fast, and then rail, uh, which is which is the slowest and, and tends to be the most economical. Now, the problem with the ground transportation element of this is specifically the limitations of human drivers are naturally that these trucks can't be n- nearly as heavily utilized as the asset itself could otherwise support if it had a driver who didn't have to eat, sleep, and take breaks. This is really the value and the benefit that we bring, uh, that, that self-driving systems can bring to these supply chains, is to, to put this in greater relief, if you have a load that you got to get from LA to Dallas, with a human-driven truck, that takes you two to three days, typically. With a self-driving truck, you can do this in about 24 hours. If you expand that to the, the implications that it has for the network footprint, uh, for shippers, carriers, uh, and private fleets, Suddenly, you're looking at something that required dozens, if not hundreds, of, of distribution centers and hubs uh, to do this work to a small handful from which assets like these trucks could reach the majority of the U.S. population within one day of ground. And that becomes game-changingly significant for supply chains. You're no longer heavily, so heavily dependent on air freight for fast movement of goods. You're no longer so heavily dependent on a very large network uh, in which you're forward deploying inventory because you can get it to many of these reaches of, of, of the country uh, within with, with much shorter times. And so there's, there's real opportunity here and to say nothing of predictive analytics, to say nothing of greater uh, visibility when things go wrong of these trucks because you have that remote access and the ability to dial in and see exactly what's happening at, at any given point in your network. So there, there are a lot of opportunities for further optimizing supply chains, unlocked specifically by an asset that can operate at these kind of levels of utilization with this kind of visibility and control. Well, and I guess as I listen to you, I'm thinking, okay, 20 hours, 21 hours a day, whatever we're talking about, that really does change the entire dynamic of how things work, right? I mean, that that's something that, uh, you know, you, you can peel that back a bunch of different ways, but it it's still an awful lot of uptime 
that is regulated out of it through hours of service and you know breaks and things like that that you mentioned. So I guess I'm I'm just curious. You know, you've you've come out there and said that you'll be ready to do this without human drivers by the end of 23. Still on track for that? Yeah, we're still working towards that. So we've got uh, uh, a few different avenues of, of work. We've talked about the pilot side and kind of commercialization preparation. There's the avenue of the truck itself development, which we're doing with both Packard and Volvo and developing redundant trucks that, that meet the specifications, functional safety, crime, cybersecurity, and other requirements for this product. Uh, and then there's the development of the driver, all right? And this is this is the, the, the refinement of the hardware, the refinement of the software, the validation of both, uh, so that we have a safety argument that closes, that we can, that we can uh, provide to those who share these roads with us um, uh, in, in establishing the evidence by which we, we, we know that we're safe. And this is, this is a really, really important point to us. In fact, it's, uh, Aurora is the only company with which I'm aware that's actually released a uh, our safety case framework to include all of the elements that we judge our system on and, and areas where we collect evidence for, to include its proficiency, uh, which is to say how well it operates in normal conditions, its fail safety, which is to say how safely it can, it can uh, manage a failure of, of, of any variety in the truck, in the software, et cetera, its continuously improving nature, its resilience, and its trustworthiness. These are really important to us. That's why we've made them public. We recognize that those who share the roads with us, those who entrust their businesses with us, they need to understand how this works. They need to have full confidence and faith that we're doing things the right way. And so this is this is part of the uh, uh, kind of significance of the safety case framework that we've both released and we build our system to, to, to establish that we're ready. Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll get you out of here in this, and that is this idea that you know, public acceptance, obviously on the car side, the ride handling side is one thing. The acceptance and, of course, you know, TCO and things like that just scream for this kind of technology. But you still have to make people comfortable with it. And I think what you just said suggests that that's part of what this is about is not just safety. And I don't mean to minimize safety, but to make people comfortable with what you're doing to share the road, if you will. That's right. And it's not just it's not just uh, kind of uh, Joe Public, uh, so to speak, that we need to make comfortable with this. We need uh, those who are entrusting their network and their operations to us to also be comfortable with it, right? And so this is an important part of our partnerships. And you asked earlier about our interactions, for instance, with FedEx, with Packard, with Volvo. A key part of our conversations tends to revolve around this safety architecture and this expectation. But then finally, on the acceptance front, there's the labor side, uh, where as we... we, we uh, recognize that as we enter the trucking market, this will ex will be expansive. And we look to work with our partners in ways that are actually expansive to their operations in such a way that their existing uh, human drivers, uh, their jobs can only improve. They can become more and more regional. Uh, in an expanding market, that rising tide should lift all boats. If these trucks start to take on first kind of these long haul grooving routes that are very, very difficult, Human drivers start to start to take on the local halls from these terminals to the to the endpoints and in this kind of regional setting. In this way, our expectation is that this is actually value accretive not only to us, not only to carriers and private fleets, but also to those who work with carriers and private fleets today uh, in in driving trucks. Well, we know we know there's not a lot of love for long haul trucking by very many. So, you know, let's let the robots do it, right? All right. Well, Sterling, listen, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us, for being part of Global Supply Chain Week, and for bringing the autonomous perspective to this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me.